This is the Roaring Elephant podcast for the 7th of November 2017. A podcast about Apache Hadoop and the surrounding ecosystem for anybody working with or investigating big data and advanced analytics. My name is Jon and here's my excellent co-host Dave. Hi Dave. Hello Jon. Now Dave's going to be in his best behavior today, aren't you? Probably not. <laughs> <laughs> well, listeners, I tried. The reason I said that is we have a guest on the show again. Uh, as Dave would put it in our continuing roles in big data sections in the podcast, we have today a session about recruiting and hiring in the big data space. And a very special guest, Mr. Chuck Waygood who is the Director Global Talent Acquisition at Hortonworks. And we spent uh, a, a half an hour or more talking with uh, Chuck about what makes a good person, a good talent in the data, big data world, how, what you should do to make a chance, how you could in, start a big data career and stuff like that. It's a very interesting talk. Indeed. And, you know, there are lots of, there's a, a great shortage of, of people within the big data space right now. I think Chuck did a nice job of talking about, you know, some of the career paths in big data, you know, where you can start and potentially the exciting things you could end up doing. So, yeah, great session. And again, thanks very much to, to Chuck for his time. Yep. Here comes the interview with Chuck. Please enjoy. So I'd like to welcome a special guest today. We have uh, Chuck Waygood on the line. So, Chuck, welcome to the Roaring Elephant podcast. Thank you, Dave. It's a pleasure to be here. Hi, Chuck. So maybe you'd like to introduce yourself to the audience. Uh, who are you and uh, uh, what are you currently working on in the big data world? Absolutely. My name is Chuck Waygood, and I am the Director of Global Talent Acquisition for Hortonworks. And I've been with Hortonworks since um, 2013. Uh, so mm -hmm. prior to us going public, I, I was an uh, employee about... 231 and we're at about 1200 employees now <laughs> yeah it's gone through some fairly stellar growth it's true it's been fun for sure so of course uh, a lot of that growth uh, comes through talent acquisition um so yeah recruitment i guess for for people that are used to more traditional terms Absolutely. So I manage all of our worldwide hiring across the board. So every single person that's hired as a contractor or as a full-time employee to Hortonworks goes through my team in one form or fashion somewhere across the globe. All right. Excellent. So we thought it'd be a good idea to get uh, get you on the podcast to really just talk about um, we we have a series of episodes we've done around people in big data, different roles. So data scientist, uh, data engineer, um, administrator, those kind of things. But of course, you know, to get a role in big data, often there'll be uh, people like yourselves or your team that will be involved in the hiring process. So we thought it might be useful to get the other side of the equation as well. So, I mean, one of the first questions would be, you know, how, how would you recommend that people get into big data that maybe don't have the initial experience in that space? Do you, do you look for people that are in, you know, other, other fields that are aligned to that or how does that all work? We do. I mean, we look for data domain experience, especially for our technical, well, even for our non-technical folks. So mm -hmm. anybody that we hire, we try and keep as close to the big data bullseye as we can. Um, 
some of the outliers that we'll hire are folks that just come from various software backgrounds, enterprise software backgrounds. Of course, depending on the type of role, whether it's a technical role or a non-technical role, uh, we look for specific technical qualifications with regards to our stack as much as we can. Okay, okay. Uh, quick question. When you say the big data bullseye, what does that mean? What is that today? And has that changed since uh, 2013? That's uh, a great question. And so from our perspective, you know, when you look at the big data bullseye, we're talking about um, obviously you know, Hadoop distributions mm-hmm. such as ourselves, um, any of the BI or analytics companies, you know, the Splunks, mm-hmm. um, the old Cognos teams, um, IBM Big Insights, you know, things like that. And, and anybody who, who is familiar with the use cases around big data, um, those are the folks that we're going to talk to first. Um, then when you look outside of that, then you look into more of the data domain experience. So people that come from the database backgrounds, you know, the MongoDBs, the Oracles, um, the, the MySQLs, things like that. Now, in the big data, the Hadoop uh, marketplace, let's say, there's been a bit of a shift, maybe not a shift, but a movement towards things like machine learning and deep learning, artificial intelligence. Is that also something that you're taking into account? We, we are now. As you can imagine, at our core, though, is really the distribution. So when we look at technical folks, sure, we'd love to see people that have machine learning or AI experience. And that's really the application of of the technology itself. Mm -hmm. Um, So with us, we're really looking at more of the the nuts and bolts layers of what people are doing. Um, And and then, of course, as we kind of march out towards the use cases of our clients, we'll look for more of that machine learning and and, um, AI type of background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. more for the consulting people who may have to. Yeah, yeah. All right. Okay, so… You know, what, what can um, potential candidates do to make themselves, uh, you know, a more attractive hire in this space? Except with that expensive well, suit. <laughs> <laughs> Good point. Actually, you know, you're, you're absolutely right. And, and presentation is definitely part of the equation. But um, from a technical perspective, I would say the number one thing that we're going to be looking for at the very basic level is strong Java coding experience. Right. And, and I, I think that we're probably wanting to stay within the technical space when we're when we're talking about this. Mm-hmm. So at the very core, you need to be a strong Java developer. And then from there, you can really start branching out into the pluses are folks that have the strong open source coding experience. So people that that understand Python, um, that understand Linux and, and have the, the chops there to really code in those languages can show you um, how they code in those languages because we'll do, as you can imagine, for all of our technical roles, uh, we actually do coding exercises where we'll show somebody um, you know, a, a block of code in one of the languages and they sh- – you know, and, and it's broken. It's it's not perfect code. And then we had anybody who really understands Java at its core mm-hmm. can really thrive here because, you know, from a debugging perspective, when you look at open source, it's it's constantly in process. You're constantly yep. fixing the code because it's yeah. it's constantly evolving. So anybody, you know, even if it's a, a solutions engineer that's out on site with a client showing them how to set up one of their clusters, mm-hmm. they may find something that they need yep. to get into the Java code and fix real quick. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, been there, done that. (laughs) (laughs) 
Okay. So for people that don't have that experience, you know, what are, what are the things that, what are the steps you'd recommend they take to either, you know, get to that sort of level or to what else can they do to augment, um, you know, their, their lack of skills in one area to make them more attractive in others? Well, and I'll tell you, the open source is the key, and, and the beauty of open source is the fact that it's open. So it's all out there, and, and anybody can download it and start learning it. Um, the the community within the open source, whether it's you know any of the Hadoop communities or any of the open source communities, um, they're very welcoming to people that want to come in and learn the technology. And there is when when I say the community itself, I mean the the message boards. Um, for example, our HortonWorks community connection, where people from around the world are submitting questions into our community, specifically within HortonWorks, the support within is huge. So you can really accelerate your learning because you're learning from the best and the brightest minds that are passionate about the technology that you're trying to take on. So you know whether you're you're somebody with 20 years of traditional mainframe experience or you're a kid coming right out of college the beauty is is you can get into these open source communities and learn from the people who are developing this stuff day in and day out that's unheard of in any other programming language especially when you look at the non-open source types of platforms yeah yeah, definitely now a lot of people also try to re-educate themselves uh, by taking MOOCs from EDX and Corsair and things like that. Is that a good way to hone your skills? So we say, well, don't put too much importance on that. Well, I, I think that anything that's going to give you the repetitions and give you the practice of getting yeah. in and, and working with the code itself is going to help you. Um, one of the things that we do as recruiters, which is is good for any developers to know, is we look for people who are really active within the, the developer communities. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily just the open source communities, but you know, one of the beautiful tools out there now for the developer community, and I use that term generically, is GitHub. Yeah. And for people who are very active within the GitHub community, specific to the technologies that we're looking mm-hmm. for, and those folks can really differentiate themselves. It's almost like you're showing somebody the work that you do day in and day out, and you can show the quality of work that you have. So it's a yeah. great way for people to kind of publicize who they are without really publicizing yeah, so basically having education is good, but show us that you can do something with it as well. Absolutely. I mean, we don't we don't require college degrees. So we look for hardcore coders, people that are passionate about about development. Um, and, and even if you've got, say, a PhD from Stanford, you're going to have to go through the same interview cycle that a you know a, a person who has no, Shoot, even no high school degree. Mm-hmm. Uh, so if you can get in there and you can perform at the at the level we need you to, we don't care if you've got a high school diploma or if you've got a PhD from Stanford. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that the the sort of the the comment I've heard previously is, you know, developers right now are are of the GitHub generation, and <laughs> yeah, that's where your your CV effectively is your own GitHub repo and the repos that you have contributed to it. You know, the, the information is all there for those people that have been working in the open, open source communities. You know, everything that you've done is, is all out there. People can get a very good picture of just what sort of developer you are. Well, and it's beautiful, and, and, and that's absolutely the, the truth. So you look at it from that perspective, but then as a recruiter, what we try to do is then even dive even deeper into 
what type of employee or what type of a team member is this person going to be? I mm-hmm. can gather a lot of that stuff from your GitHub profile. I can see how you collaborate with other people. I can see how you communicate with other people, whereas you can't do that in any other platform out there. So I encourage, you know, to me, GitHub is is a social platform, much like a Facebook or a Twitter is. Mm-hmm. And I can see your interaction with other people. And if you're aggressive and that doesn't fit on our team, guess what? You may not be looked at as strongly as somebody who who maybe collaborates a little bit more. So I encourage people that when they are working in GitHub, think about it from the perspective of you are putting yourself out there for anybody to see and anybody to judge. What do you want them to judge? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a great point, actually. I mean, typically the stereotype of the the, the, the technical geek, if I, for lack of a better word, is that he's not that social. Is that something you subscribe to or in your experience is that a total myth? Well, I, I still think that the introvert is a characteristic of a lot of really strong developers. But when you ask me what can differentiate somebody from another developer is absolutely the ability to work alongside others, mm-hmm. um, to mentor others. And that's one thing is is how much is somebody going out there putting themselves out there and helping other people learn this stuff that's critical for an organization that's trying to scale right i i make the argument that i would much rather have a b player developer that has the ability to mentor and nurture and teach than an a developer that sits in the corner and you know you can't even let them out of the dark room Yeah, 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 and also, of course, the, the whole developing the, the world that these developers live in has changed. Uh, I mean, twenty years ago, people were expected to sit in a small cubicle and type code all day. These days, with things like Scrum and Agile and all the other buzzwords out there, the whole team dynamic becomes much more important. Of course. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. I mean, you, you look at some of our best developers across the board, and you know, some of our committers. The reason why they're committers is because they work so well collaborating with other people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, you mentioned that from you can actually glean quite a lot of information from someone's interactions on GitHub, and you can maybe in some cases see what roles might be good for them, which I think is a good segue into, you know, there's a wide range of roles out there in, in the big data world, and there's a wide range of roles here at Hortonworks. What are the, some of the roles that are particularly hot right now, and why, why do you think that is? I think for us, um, you know, I, I would really, I would say there's three areas that are super hot for us. Um, our engineering team, the team that is developing the roadmap of our platform or platforms now, I should say, with with mm-hmm. HDF out there. Um, obviously, that is always going to be a hot place to be where we are constantly pushing the innovation of these platforms to meet the needs of, of our enterprise customer base. Um, and it's real time, you know, it's not like a proprietary software where we develop it and we throw it out there and, you know, God love you if it works for you with us, it's, it's, it's community driven. It's, it's customer driven. So when you look at the developer that needs to be in that space, they need to be very forward thinking. They need to be very agile. They need to be very fast. Um, and they need to very, be very clean. So that is always going to be a hot area for us because we're the ones driving the innovation in the space. So that will always be there for us. And that is whether it's in the U.S., in India, in Budapest, or in Chile, 
right? Wherever we have those teams, where wherever we can find the best talent, that's where we're going to put those folks. Um, and then secondarily, I would say what's always going to remain hot are the folks that are enabling the technology and, and, and enabling the ROI for the customers themselves. So you look at the pre-sales teams, the consulting teams, technical support teams, right? So those folks are always going to be in demand because as this technology continues to evolve, brings further business value to the customer base, they're going to have to continue to help educate the clients, help them integrate the technology into their current environments, and help them really see the ROI that they want to see from this technology. You guys know as well as I do, if you can't realize the ROI, it doesn't matter if it's free open source mm -hmm. or if it's paid for, it's not going to get renewed, right? So you've got to be able to see that business value. So when we look at our teams, um, consulting is always going to be hot because we're going to need to help implement at our client sites. Um, the skill sets within the consulting teams are going to have to continue to evolve because as our customers become more savvy, become more complex, you talk about machine learning, you talk about AI, um, those skill sets are going to have to be integrated into that core consulting skill set. Um, when you look at the tech support team, I mean, our tech support teams, those are the ones that after, you know, the frontline engineers or our frontline consultants leave a customer site, those are the folks that are really helping hold the hand of our customers through their evolution, through their growth phases, and really helping them enable the technology. So, you know, it, it's tremendous when you think about tech support has traditionally kind of been that you know, an entry level type of role in IT. Whereas with us, tech support is not entry level. I mean, it can be, mm -hmm. it's absolutely a great foray into big data. Um, mm -hmm. We hire people right out of college that just have the Java experience and then they get to learn every facet of the Hadoop stack from a tech support perspective. So they're learning it from a customer's point of view. What yeah. are the customers having challenges with? What are their concerns when they're integrating it with their Teradata data warehouse? You know, these are things that our, our tech support teams become very, very close to. Um, and, and they're the ones that are going to have to really continue to evolve as well. So, you know, that's a great area of growth for anybody who wants to get into big data is, you know, take off the stigma of what tech support is looked at in the IT industry and think of it as somebody who's going to be able to get their hands dirty with every single piece of a Hadoop stack. Yeah, great point. So um, at the moment, uh, I think I'm, okay, tell me if I'm right or wrong, that there's a bit of a shortage of people to work on all of these uh, positions. <laughs> Why do you think that is? Well, you know, it's... It's the age-old dilemma within IT, and um, you know, you look at IT and the traditional university or college degrees. They can't keep up with the innovation in the space. It's it's impossible for them um, to be able to incorporate the curriculum that they need to to stay on top of mm -hmm. you know the storm technology, for example. So you have an issue with a, a vacuum in the initial education process. That's why we look at the core capabilities of somebody coming out of college as Java and open source. They're starting to really implement open source programs within the university layers, which is great. Mm -hmm. They're starting to actually incorporate a lot of big data curriculums, which is okay. excellent. 
Um, but then when you look at this technology itself, um, you know, you have to be passionate about open source and, Unfortunately, for a lot of people, um, they don't look at open source as a viable career path because they think that it's free. And if it's free, that means you're not going to get paid for it. But that couldn't be further from the truth, yeah, right? Definitely. So we've got to change that mindset. Number one, and we've got, and it's beautiful, and it's starting to to take hold now. When you look at some of these younger developers coming out, they're passionate about open source uh -huh. because they can start playing with this stuff in middle school, which is what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so that, 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 then you look at the, the technology itself and, and let's just use Hadoop as an example. Uh -huh. Okay. Um, three years and, and Dave, you can speak to this three years ago. Hadoop was, you know, HDFS and MapReduce. Look at it now. We've got 20 plus projects that just make up our, our HDP platform. That doesn't even include our HDF or our streaming platforms, right? So the evolution of this technology is so fast that it's very difficult to keep up with. And as you're moving as an organization, um, it's hard to keep up with the ability to hire folks at entry levels because we need tip of the spear developers. We need folks that we can drop into a client site um, that understands Storm, that understands Kafka. Well, they don't. They don't. They they don't know what that is at the university levels yet. It's impossible for them to know that. So that's part of what the challenge is. So that's part of why I love the open source community is because the community itself is so welcoming to let anybody in to play with their stuff and teach them how to leverage this technology that, you know, the community kind of takes care of itself. But as you can imagine, the community is, is, is not as um, all consuming as you would like it to be. I mean, it can't touch hundreds of thousands of developer students across the board. So um, that's part of why you see that challenge where we are, where there's there's such a shortage of folks. I mean, you know, you can look at our largest clients and while they may have 30 Hadoop administrators on staff, um, only one or two might be qualified to be able to work on our team because of what we're doing. You know, we've got to be the best and the brightest of the of the bunch and it's very difficult for me to be able to say to, you know, our, our senior vice president of professional services, sure, I can go out and find you 30 of these folks in New York City. <laughs> There's only 40 of them, so I'm going to hire three quarters of them. But, you know, that's that's the challenge you get into. Yeah. I think um, Jan came up with a, a good uh, a phrase, education lag. And I think all you can hope to do with open source is to develop courses or education material curriculums that attempt to try and teach the fundamentals that maybe change at least less frequently because if you try and keep up in up to pace with how the individual technologies are developing you'll never you'll never be able to open source moves too quickly by the time a, a course has been designed developed and has gone through it's up the rest of the world has moved on absolutely 
Absolutely. And, and you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's there, the education lag is very difficult. Um, we're trying to do our part by dropping our technology into as many universities as we can and, and giving them the curriculum that we train with, um, you know, within our training organization so that they can try and build curriculum around that. But you're right. I mean, it's the fundamentals. And that's why I say I go back to Java. You know, a good Java developer can get into our code with an HDP and make changes right away. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in my part of the world, there's actually a bit of a movement of having uh, corporation businesses, uh, software houses doing part of the education. So the, the university and the high schools, so they kind of do, they, they send their students to these businesses to have hands on, on the job, real world uh, teaching. Do you think that's a way of uh, removing or reducing the education lag, as I called it? Or is that just another, well, it's a nice attempt, but meh. Well, I, I think it's a great step, and I think that if it became more widespread, it would be much better off. But you know, even for like our example, we we have an internship program mm -hmm. where we bring in twenty interns a summer and drop them into very specific projects for whatever team they're going to work on, and they are business projects. They help solve a problem within that particular line of business, whether it's code within. Uh, one of the HDP projects like Storm or something like that, or whether it's on the accounting finance side. Um, I think any time that we can give students real-world experience with this tech, the better off everybody's going to be. I mean, perfect example is we hired an intern a couple of years ago. Um, actually, he was right out of high school. This kid was brilliant, and he was known by somebody on our team, and he recommended him for the internship. Um, within two years, he was an intern for us, went back to college, uh, interned for us again last summer, and became a committer on Knox. So, you know, you look at that, this kid is coming out of college already an open source committer. I mean, that's phenomenal. That doesn't happen a lot, but it's possible because we were able to bring and the team coached it through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nice, nice. I, those those kind of stories always uh, always feel really good because the the fact is, if you can get people, you know, as early as possible, accelerate their knowledge, accelerate their skills and abilities, it makes them far more far more valuable um, than having just come out with a you know a great degree, but then no idea what they might do next. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, you know, you talk about how people can get into big data, you know, being able to translate the technology to the business use cases is tremendous. And we ask every candidate that we hire, um, whether it's an accounting candidate or a marketing candidate or a sales candidate or a tech candidate, what are enterprise customers using big data for? What are some of the big data challenges some of these companies have? And anybody who can articulate that and just think through that, it just puts them in a different paradigm. So it puts them in a different position than somebody who hasn't really thought about that. And it's now so prevalent across the world, every company is technically a data company now at this point. So if you don't think that way coming out of college, then you're at an incredible disadvantage. And I'll tell you, if you don't think that way as a professional within the IT world, then you're missing the boat because everything is data-based now. Yep. 
organizations are having to become more data driven. It's just the the way the world is turning. Absolutely. So what we've been talking about this from a uh, you know from a from a Horton Works recruiting perspective um, by and large. What what sort of profiles do you think um, you know customers of distribution should be hiring? You know where where should they be making the focus? Well, and that's a great question. So, you know, again, it, it depends on what kind of roles they're in. Okay, so when you look at the 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 consumers of HortonWorks, you know, you're looking at at really just about any type of business out there. So if you take the folks that are your business analysts now, and you start teaching them how to work within the big data world, you know, they understand the business, they understand the challenges that they're dealing with. And if you then start teaching some of the technology, um, you know, whether it be just some simple administration within the Hadoop cluster, it's just going to make them that much better. Um, when you look at folks, you know, when you look at the consumer side of the house, they're looking for a lot of data science experience. We don't necessarily look for that much data science, pure data science experience, because, again, leveraging the technology to then derive the needs that you have to get. Um, and that's really where the analysts are moving towards. So you look at, you know, financial analysts, you look at business analysts, you look at the IT analysts, whatever it might be, they understand data. What they now have to understand is they have to understand open source data, right? So you can get them onto that that kind of that evolutionary path. So a lot of folks, their challenge is, is they look externally for the talent rather than trying to develop it from within. And some of their best people are, are folks that are going to be on their teams now that they just need to invest in a little bit further. Because as you can imagine, if they try and go out and find this talent on their own, Guess what they're doing? They're competing with every other organization in the world for that very small niche talent group. And guess what? Does a developer or does somebody with the experience want to work for an end user client versus a Hortonworks who is the one developing and driving the innovation of the technology? You know, it, it depends on what they want to accomplish in their life. Right. But to me, if organizations look at their folks internally and pull from different areas of the business, because let's be honest, I mean, when you look at big data, it's not just an IT initiative now. Mm -hmm. It's a line of business initiative, whether in in marketing or sales or HR, it doesn't matter. So look at your subject matter experts within those silos. And then get them some Hadoop experience, get them some big data, some technical experience. And those are the folks that are going to be able to apply their their knowledge of the business much better than somebody coming in from the outside. It's it, it's interesting because we had a session um, only a couple of weeks ago with a, a data scientist and he had similar sort of coming from a different angle, but he was talking about domain experience. And of course, if you develop your own internal people, they're going to have far better domain experience um, for your your particular industry vertical, your particular organization than, you know, someone, you may bring in someone great from the outside, but then if you have to spend a lot of time skilling them up on what it is that you do as an organization, could be a lot less valuable, could be much, much easier, in fact, as you say, to cross-train or upskill existing staff that are interested in maybe experimenting and trying something new. 
Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, being in recruiting, you know, we talk about career paths and you talk about big data being hot right now. What a great way to give somebody from the finance side of the house or the marketing side of the house, um, a, a different career path, you know, and, you know, as an employer, you've got to think about is I can either go out and buy this talent, which I'm going to pay top dollar for, or I can look internally and find somebody that's probably half the cost of somebody else. And all I need to do is invest a little bit of money in them and a little bit of time. And they're going to probably be better than the high dollar person. I'm going to bring it off the street. What's my ROI there? Yep. Yeah, very much so. I mean, so you mentioned the you mentioned career path. What 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 sort of career paths do you see emerging and evolving in the big data world? Well, you know, I, I can only really speak to us at this time, um, but you know, there again, the stuff is evolving so quickly. It's hard for me to tell you where somebody could be a year or two years or five years from now. Mm-hmm. The only thing I can tell you is that if you are open to constantly learning, um, if you're open to coaching and you have a hunger for that stuff, then the career path can really take you wherever you want to go. And I, I would never have thought two years ago that our SEs would be out there dealing with real-time streaming data analytics like they are now. And so it's, it's, it's amazing when you think about what folks can do, but you know, if we talk about an entry level career path, if you're somebody coming out of a technical college right now, as I had mentioned, you know, get into tech support and, and you get your hands dirty across the entire stack. And then you can kind of learn what areas of the stack you really like, what you're fond of. And if you want to then try and invest in say, really increasing your skill set around Spark, again, you've got the open source community to help you drive that kind of knowledge and that skill, and you can really develop that Spark development skill, the, the coding itself, um, and, and you could potentially then make a step into the engineering world, and you could become a, a Spark committer. You know, it's just the sky is really the limit with the open source stuff because it continues to evolve. It continues to move. And whoever can keep up with the pace of that evolution, those are the folks that are going to have the career that just continues to, to ride. Yeah. Fantastic. Fantastic. So you mentioned uh, the the, the uh, story about one of the interns that you've had come, come through the organization. What are some of the other sort of um, – sort of hiring stories where, you know, great candidates you've, you've placed and they've kind of gone on to do great, amazing, amazing things. Well, it's, it's fun to see our teams evolve uh, and and really grow. You know, as you could imagine, we've hired a a ton of people early on that have now moved up into management and leadership roles, Uh, hired a ton of developers and, and support folks. And even on the QE team that have really just, become passionate about open source and have become committers on their own. Um, as you guys know, we've got more Apache Hadoop committers than any other organization in the world. And one of the things that our team is very passionate about is if you want 
to become a committer. There's really no better place to come work for because our team will help foster that uh, because it makes everybody around you better. Um, so anybody who wants to drive the innovation in that space and, and commit to the to the community is going to be great and welcomed with open arms. So that's something that happens all the time within our world. Um, I actually just saw an email that came out uh, earlier this week from our India team where two of the folks that we hired a year ago um, just were, were named committers to uh, to one project or another within the, the Hadoop community. Um you know, and then you look at some of our sales folks that we've hired or, or our SEs where, you know, we promote a lot internally. Um, so, you know, one of my favorite examples is, is uh, I call him a kid because he had about three or four years of experience out of college. Um, we hired him as a sales rep. And on paper, the RD at the time did not even want to talk to him. However, when I you know, talk to the candidate myself, the passion this kid had for open source, the passion and the grasp this kid had for the use cases of big data was better than folks that I'd talked to that had 20 years of experience in the industry. So we brought him in. Um, within about a year and a half, he he really established himself as a as a strong rep on the team. He really was coachable, um, took a lot of guidance from the RD. The RD took him under his wing. And now he's an RD himself. So now he's got a team of reps working for him um, in the central region. And it's it's been great to watch him grow and see him be successful and watch him evolve in his career. So it's it's things like that that are really exciting here. I mean, when you talk about the fact that we've gone from, you know, 200 employees to 1,200 employees uh, over the course of the last three years or four years, you know, the leadership had to come from within. We've hired a lot of leadership from outside the community or outside the company, but most of the leadership within our company has really grown from within. So there's That's a, nice. there's been a ton of career growth, which has been fun to watch. Nice. Very That's nice. To hear. Now you mentioned of how hard it is to find people with this top talent. Now, what happens when you have hired that top talent? How hard is it to keep him there? How to retain him? What can a company do to make sure that that top talent, talent so hard to get, doesn't move on in six months a year? That's the million dollar question. <laughs> uh, I hope my boss is listening. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. Well, to me, so you know, I'm, I'm a people guy. So to me. There's there's a, a a few different aspects that that employees need in a career. Number one, great talent constantly wants to be challenged, mm -hmm. and they const they they want development within their career. So you've got to be able to show them the potential and show them the growth, and you need to invest in them. Okay, um, of course you've got to keep their pay commensurate to the public, at least to a degree, um, folks that have somebody who invests in them, they don't necessarily need to make as much money as, you know, maybe what they're they they could garner from the street right now. Uh, but you gotta be commensurate. You gotta be at least close to that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then lastly, to me, it's the culture. It's the culture, the organization, it's the culture, yeah. of the team, um, culture is something that's hard to define, and I, I think that's the beauty of culture because it can truly be your most competitive advantage that you can have because it can't be replicated. It can't be bought. It can't be built. It is who it is. So when you look at uh, how do you retain people, you really have to look at the leadership. 
Does the leadership really care about that individual? Does the leadership really care about that person, not just professionally, but even personally? Are they Mm -hmm. investing in them? Are they going to bat for them? Are they... um, are, are they insulating them when they need to insulating to insulate them? Do they appreciate them? I mean, there's a lot of facets that go into the culture of an organization. And, you know, one of the things that's great about our team is we collaborate so much that you get a lot of cross-cultural collaboration. Because as you guys know, from team to team, you can have different cultures that are, are considerably different. Um, but with the collaboration that we have across the board, you can get kind of a commingling of the culture and you can get the good from one organization and adding it to the another organization just because of how much they work together. So, you know, that to me is, is paramount. And what you've got to think about too, especially in this world, I think that you have to look at every employee that you hire and say, I need to convince this person why they need to stay here every two years. Mm -hmm. Every two years, a great employee is either A, looking for more from within what they're doing, or they're going to be looking for another job. And if you don't admit that to yourself as a leader and as a manager, you're going to lose that person and you're lying to yourself. So that's something that, that I think that we all need to look in the mirror and understand that top talent is constantly being courted, is constantly being, you know, they want to constantly be challenged. And if you don't feed that, you're going to lose them. Excellent. Excellent. So, yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Yeah, yeah. And also I mean, keep the, the communication running because it's one thing to, as a company to do all this stuff, make sure that your people so know that you're doing this stuff. I mean, some stuff is really apparent and visible, but other stuff is behind the scenes perhaps. Just communication with your people is very important as well. Absolutely. All right. Anything else that you'd like to uh, bring bring up to our audience? Anything else that uh, happens in the space that you think is worthwhile bringing to light? Well, to me, I mean, if, if you're interested in big data, um, it, it's a it's an incredibly exciting time. I mean, the evolution of this technology when you look at where it's going and the the reason or, or the business reasons why it needs to continue to evolve are tremendous. Um, when you look at the IOT space, I, I can't even fathom how many devices are going to be connected to the internet in two or three years from now. Mm-hmm. And it's those kinds of things that this space is faced with every single day. I can't think of another industry that, is more world changing than big data right now. And it's, it's amazing how much we're doing and how much we're impacting. Um, it's, it's not very often that you can say as an IT company, you're truly helping solve the world's biggest challenges as you are in big data. I mean, when you look at big data, it's helping, you know, it's helping cure cancer. It's uh, through genomic research. It's helping make mass transit, you know, whether it's the airline industry or the train industry or, you know, municipal transportation, it's making all that safer. Um, It's amazing stuff to me. And when you really peel back the layers of the onion and look at what data is being used for, um, it's incredibly exciting. Now, at the same time, um, it can be scary. So 
we need to be conscious of the security and the governance that goes into all of our protected data out there. And we need to be able to stay, you know, one, two, three, or four steps ahead of the folks that really want that data and are going to do devious things with it. So we have tremendous challenges that we're looking at um, across the board. But one of the things that I love about, you know, specifically open source is that nothing can move fast enough to to really beat out an open source community. And so when you look at it, the need for innovation, there's no better way to address it than through the open source community. So I feel that with the evolution that needs to take place for this this tech, that the community is the best place for it to be, and it's very exciting to be there. Fantastic. Well Innovation said. through open source. I couldn't think of a better way to wind this uh, this interview up. Um, so there is one one last final thing that we do at the end of uh, the majority of our interviews, and that's uh, ask you to define Hadoop to someone that uh, you've just met. They're not in IT. They don't understand technology, but uh, you want to describe Hadoop to them. How would you do that in a couple of sentences? <laughs> that's a great question. Uh, so really the way I define Hadoop is, is I take somebody and ask them to take a step back and think about all the data that they have out there. Um, and, and I use my mother as a perfect example. My mom is, is 80 years old and she now has an iPhone and iPad. She's on Facebook. She's emailing every single day. And I say to her, mom, where do you think all that data goes? And where do you think, or, or how do you think all these organizations leverage that data. And she says, I have no idea. And I said, well, that's what Hadoop does. Our platform takes all of the data that you're putting out there on the internet, and we are making sense out of that data to make your life and your day easier. So when you think about you know, everything that you're using as a consumer nowadays, from Netflix um, to Amazon to eBay to Twitter, all of that data and all of that user experience is being driven by Hadoop. So Hadoop is basically the platform that is enabling the, the usage of data to make everybody's life easier, everybody's life more beneficial, everybody's life um, just better. Fantastic. Well, with that, thanks very much, Chuck. I think that's about all we've got time for on this particular session. But uh, great talking with you, and hopefully we'll speak to you again soon. Thank you, gentlemen. I appreciate it. You guys have a great day, and thank you for your time. Thanks for being here, right. Chuck. Take care. Take care, guys. Bye-bye. So once again, thanks very much, Chuck, for, for your time, and uh, very much appreciate it. But sadly, that is all the time we have for today. Hope you enjoyed this serving of bite-sized big data. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode, but until then, please go to www.roaringelephant.org where you can find more information about the podcast, including a feedback form. You can also follow us on Twitter using the at Hadoopcast tag and contact us by email, podcast at roaringelephant.org with any thoughts, comments, criticisms, or other feedback. Until then, my name is Dave. And my name is John. And we'll look forward to talking to you next week. See you then.